0: Everyone should do this. Um, Get it down on paper and it's out of here because if and then you know if you do wake up at two o'clock in the morning or have trouble going to sleep you know you've got your to-do list sorted. It will still be there in the morning. There's not much you can do about it in the middle of the night so you know you've got it all written down. It's out of here onto wherever you've written it and you can deal with it in the morning. I would recommend anything that's going to get you, give you a better sleep, give it a go. Whatever you choose, don't just expect overnight success. You have to give it a a go for a a week or so to see what it will do or how it will work for you.
1: Do us a quick favour, guys. Hit the follow subscribe button. Share this with someone who would benefit from it. And help us grow, as the more we grow, the better the episodes will get. Thanks, guys, for helping us. And let's get into the episode. Welcome back to this episode of the Sculpted Podcast. Today we are joined by Helen Dugdow. and today's episode is going to be a very interesting one—one one that we haven't really talked about too much uh, explicitly in the Sculpted Podcast so far. But it's definitely a big theme for overall improvement and overall performance uh, as an athlete, as anyone who wants to improve in life. It's it's a very underrated thing that I think more people more and more people are coming aware of, which is a good thing. But in today's episode, we're here with. Helen, to speak about how sleep is very important for everyone. So Helen, if you wanted to give a quick introduction on who you are and what you do to the listeners, that would be awesome.
0: Hi, everyone. And thanks, Nick, for inviting me along. Um, I'm excited to tell people about how important sleep is. It's just as important as nutrition and exercise. In fact, a lot of scientists these days are saying that it's the three pillars of good health. Scient- uh, sleep, sleep, exercise and nutrition um so it and sleep is so important because that's when your cells regenerate your um your memory is improved and you become more emotionally stable when you get more sleep i mean of course we can still perform on a a small amount of sleep but not um over and over again
1: it's very important and This is exactly why we we need that awareness. I think one thing that I've noticed a lot is when I track my sleep and when I don't track my sleep, there's a direct correlation between how good I feel and how bad I feel. And I recently just started up my uh, Whoop subscription again, which is the fitness wearable alongside my Apple Watch. And I noticed the differences just between the last time I was wearing it and getting my data back and the time that I've now been wearing it. There's a massive difference. And I need to actually get my sleep back up to the standard that I once had it at. And that was through a lot of good habits, sure. And I kept those good habits. But the awareness, you don't, well, you can't really improve anything that you don't track. And sleep is something that we, we're not really the best at tracking just by saying, oh, I feel well-rested. Um, and this is where today's episode will bring us. But let's get into the quick fire questions that we've got for you, Helen. So the first question that we've got is what made you interested in learning about sleep?
0: Well, great question. I'm a psychotherapist and I help people with anxieties, fears and phobias and depression and all sorts of stress. And a lot of people were coming to me with those problems. And once we, were, we, we resolved those problems, we realized um, their sleep improved. And I'm thinking, there's something here. When you resolve your anxieties and stresses, sleep improves. And there's millions of articles on the internet or in bookshops about how to improve sleep. But people are still suffering from sleep problems. How come my method is helping people? So I researched it and I looked into it. And during COVID, I um, I actually wrote a book about um, improving your sleep and put a lot of research into it. And a lot of case studies. So it really does help. If you're less stressed, you tend to sleep better.
1: Yeah, awesome. And going even just through your profile, it's actually very impressive to see all the different areas that you've worked in. Uh, And I'm sure we'll speak about it more, you know, throughout the episode. But it's interesting to see that this was something, maybe it's not directly uh, new. Maybe you've always had this. knowledge about sleep but it's interesting to see how in the in the recent years as well um there's been a direct focus for yourself in this department other than all the other things that um you have done as well so it's very very interesting to speak with you today but the next question is who is the biggest influence in your life
0: oh well family is a big influence um i also read a lot and i read a lot about people who have written books about the brain and that was like a light bulb moment when you read like Norman Doidge, The Brain That Changed Itself was a big influence um, about you. You're never too old to change your habits. You can always, the brain has neuroplasticity. You can change. So that was a big thing from a professional point of view, uh, reading that book.
1: Yeah, very interesting. The next question that I've got for you is what is your favorite food?
0: i like anything that's cooked for me then someone's gone to the trouble of doing it for me that's great um but i i i would have to say chocolate it's got so many good properties in it as long as, yeah. as well as the calories but it's got the the um the the antioxidants in it. it's got it does relieve stress i think
1: yeah interesting well, i think a lot of people would probably agree with you on that
0: yeah, but as long as you don't use that as an excuse to have two packets of Tim Tams.
1: Yeah, and in Australia, I mean, most people outside of Australia may not know what Tim Tams are, but
0: yeah. oh, well, two blocks
1: of chocolate. But the Tim Tams ones—that's not not easy to say no to. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> what is your favourite holiday destination?
0: A beach with a book. Okay, so although I do like active um um active holidays like um that parasailing and skiing and hiking, um hiking the Camino was great, great experience.
1: Yeah, okay, awesome. Uh the next thing that we've got is what is the favorite what is your favorite thing to do in your downtime?
0: I seem to have a um a theme here. I love reading. And, um, uh, being with family and friends.
1: Yeah. All right. I think most people would agree there. Yeah. What is, what, what was your first job, whether as a kid or an adult, it could be, you know, working at McDonald's, it could be working at Coles or Woolworths. What was your first job?
0: Um, working in a milk bar. Now I don't know if you have too many milk bars around the suburbs these days. It's a bit yeah. like the original 7-Eleven, you know, the, the corner store working there on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And then I, my first job out of school was um, as a dairy herd tester. So testing the milk, the butterfat in milk of the dairy cows around the Great Ocean Road. So that was my workplace, driving on the Great Ocean Road between Geelong and Apollo Bay. Beautiful scenery.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a very nice trip to work each morning. <laughs> yes. All right. What does the next five, le- five years look for yourself? Oh,
0: well, hopefully helping more people with their sleep via my book and group workshops and individual consultation. I, uh, that gives me a lift being able to help people with their stresses and anxieties and, and just to see them um, a weight being lifted once they've had a series of good sleep, knowing that they can do it for themselves. That's what I, that was my next five years is helping more people.
1: Yeah, awesome. And I think the book will be a big part of today's conversation because I think a lot of the things that we'll talk about will be in there. Um, And now the first question that we want to get into is why is sleep such a fundamental thing for humans? Yeah,
0: and people think they can get by on little sleep, but something your system will will fall down if you don't get enough sleep because sleep is when our brain clears out the toxins from the day and rest is not good enough you do have to sleep it's I think of it as as a busy road and you can't have the street sweepers in cleaning the road when there's heaps of traffic so sleep is when the brain cleans out the toxins on a daily basis Because if those toxins build up, other things will happen with your system. Um, Other than clearing out the toxins, as I was saying before, it's for good cell regeneration, like it's for healing and repair. Um, It's good for when you lay down memories. So um, people who do all-nighters with study, that's like a desperation act. But really, the science says if you get a good sleep before an exam, or before an assignment is due, you will be much better, you'll be fresher the next day. And the other thing, the other big thing about good sleep is um, resolving anxieties of the day. And they've done heaps of trials that if you don't get enough good sleep and good REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, you're more emotional the next day. And so if you... And they've done heaps of trials on that. And sometimes anxious people get less REM sleep. So the jury's a bit out with the science. What comes first? Anxiety leading to less REM sleep or less REM sleep leading to anxiety. Either way, the the science says we should get a better quality sleep. We should aim to get a better quality sleep each night.
1: Yeah. And... The REM sleep will be a big part of this conversation, I think. But the the initial question that strikes me is in the the very small group of friends that I have, I'd say quite a large chunk of them believe that they are the exception to the rule, that they don't need their, you know, eight hours of sleep or 10 hours of sleep that they need. What is that percentage of the exception to the rule? Because as I said, I think a lot of the people that I know claim to be that exception.
0: Um, Well, there's... statistically there is a variety of people who can cope you know a range in coping strategies however over the long term something will give way either your health will give way you'll become emotionally unstable like like a bit more cranky the next day um or or you might have it it might affect your gut biome You, you know you could get some stomach problems um and they even say that it can lead to uh, some autoimmune diseases if you don't get enough sleep. Yeah. Now, of course, not every this, this doesn't apply to everybody. Um, but I'd be very careful of just, I've heard of people who say, oh, I can manage on two hours or three hours a night. You can do that for a limited time, but not for days on end. Like, I ran the London Marathon on five hours sleep when I was 57. You wouldn't want to do that every week. Yeah. But um, that's when, you know, your training kicks in. You know, you've, you know, within five hours, you'll be back at the hotel. You'll be all right. But if you couldn't sustain that.
1: You just mentioned that... The amount of sleep that we get, the amount of REM sleep that we get, maybe it's deep uh, sleep that we get, can actually affect the way that we act the next day. Mm -hmm. Thinking about that, and on an extreme case, if that is a trend that you aren't getting enough sleep or REM sleep, and it affects your mood, you're more emotional, can that then actually affect someone's long-term personality if it's a big enough trend?
0: Yes, because that can lead to subtle differences, like... If you're going around a bit moody, a bit cranky, uh, and you're making poor choices because you're tired, like people think, oh, I'll have another chocolate bar because I'll I need the energy, or um, or all these these sugar hits, or they might say, yeah, I'll have another couple of alcoholic drinks to get me by, you know, because I need it, that sort of thing. So if you're tired, you tend to make um, less healthy choices whether it's food, drink, driving, um, giving into peer pressure, they, they, they're they the dangers. And also, who wants to be around someone who's grumpy? And then, then that can lead to, oh, that person doesn't like me, you know, but you don't know why. And then that will lead to differences. And it could lead to some workplace scenarios where you're not getting on as well as you should with uh. the people you work with.
1: And this then affects overall performance as well because yes. if I, you know, I mean, especially as an athlete, if I turn up tired to training, that then affects that training session. Therefore, that then becomes a regular pattern if I continue this pattern that I'm unaware of and then that affects my performance. Therefore, I'm not getting to the elite level that I want to be or I'm actually just, maybe I'm still able to get up to a good enough level, but I'm not reaching my full potential. Mm-hmm. Now, is that something that you see with a lot of people that are unaware of this?
0: Yes. Yeah. And and they some people tend to blame other people, the people around them. Oh, they're being unfair or they're picking on me. But it could be you starting it off because of your attitude or your tiredness.
1: Yeah. And do you think that there is in the data a direct correlation between the, you could say, lack of accountability or um, dissociation between the awareness that, okay, maybe it's me. And the, uh, and the awareness of, oh, I'm actually not sleeping, do you think there's actually a direct correlation there in performance in, in terms of maybe it's me?
0: Yeah, well, you could say they're in denial, um, but um, it's, some people are aware, and but they don't know what to do about it, and then that just builds up their stress levels, and if they're getting more stressed, they're getting less sleep. So it's it's a like a downward spiral, so you have to stop that. Yeah. Get back what I call into an upward spiral.
1: Yeah. And, and is that also accentuated with the compound effect? Say if you get, you know, lessons, maybe if you're getting two hours of sleep pretty consistently, maybe that's a pretty low amount, but maybe let's say six hours. Is that then compounding every single night? that six hours. Cause you essentially are having the sleep debt. I think that's the word. Is that correct?
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what you're getting at there, sorry, what the compounding.
1: Yeah. So the sleep debt that you accumulate each night, is that then affecting, let's say you start off with six hours of sleep, then the next day you've got, let's say, four hours of sleep debt because you've missed out on four hours in the whole week, and then you keep on accumulating another two hours each night. Does that two hours over time actually get compounded? Because you're only getting six hours of sleep each night, and by the end of the year, potentially, your sleep debt is ridiculously high because you've actually never been able to let your body catch up.
0: That's a good question because what it will be doing is it will affecting other parts of your system. You know your your um your reactions, your your gut uh, health, your um. And and your emotions. So it could become a, a habit, a pattern, that it's hard to get out of.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now, when we're talking about the hours of sleep that we actually spend sleeping, a lot of people aim for eight hours. I would say I'd say it's a pretty well um known thing that we should probably be getting around eight hours if you're relatively um, active, young, whatever, whatever it is. I think obviously the older you get, the less sleep that you need, but it's not like a massive difference. It's maybe um, 30 minutes to an hour. Yes. But when we're actually asleep, we have all these different stages of sleep, right? And we've already spoken about REM. But we also have a large chunk of sleep that is awake. Now, how do we actually calculate this and then take into consideration how many hours we need? You're considering we have quite a large percentage of sleep awake for example i have last night i had an hour of awake sleep which is quite high for me um i get around 20 minutes normally but how do we actually account for that awake sleep
0: um if if it's only 20 or 30 minutes that's just part of your sleep cycle your sleep cycle is usually 90 minutes and rem sleep is part of that deep sleep is part of that and it's um when you go into that light sleep, that's when you're nearly waking. Some people wake up and they're able to get back to sleep. That's, that's the crunch that I think that's what you mean by waking sleep. You yep. you have to be able to get back to sleep. Yeah, that that's the important bit. So 20 or 30 minutes is probably a maximum for wake sleep, um, but it's so important to be able to get yourself back to sleep. And the more stressed you become about it, the less likely it will happen. And then you find yourself staying awake for th- two or three hours.
1: That is so the worst thing. very
0: important to be able to stay calm, get yourself back into that feeling of drifting back to sleep.
1: Yeah. And it's spot on because I know that. So I moved uh, to Germany two years ago. I'm back in Australia now but when I moved over there the first time I didn't expect summer to be that hot. And in Germany they don't know how to deal with that either. They don't have fans, they don't have air conditioning. So I was just sleeping and sweating and I couldn't I couldn't sleep properly. And then over I think maybe 2 weeks I was like oh, I just can't sleep. And that I fed that narrative to myself and sleep is a very it's influenced a lot by your brain because uh, from what I've heard a lot of it's subconscious. So you wake up and you have a thought. Now that thought's keeping you up. And the more and more you think about it, the more and more it's hindering you. Mm. Mm. How do we actually work with that? Because that's such a difficult thing.
0: Good question because a lot of people and our psychology lecturers at uni said, if you tell someone to not think of a polar bear, what are they going to think
1: of? Thinking of the polar bear.
0: Yes. And so if you're lying in bed saying, I have to sleep, I have to sleep, I have to sleep, or why can't I sleep? All you'll be thinking about is sleeping. So it's very important, as you said, to use your brain to not even mention the word sleep and definitely not even mention a negative word like don't or can't. So come up with something positive and something not, doesn't even mention sleep. It could be like, I am relaxed or I am calm. Um, I will wake up refreshed can you see the difference mm. and just say it in a calm way do some deep breathing and especially keep repeating something positive over and over again and get yourself back into that calm state ready to induce sleep again
1: it's not an easy thing to do it has a lot easier that's actually of implicated training your brain yes we, which also is an important stage of sleep right so when we go into each stage of sleep could you expand on what each of these stages are because i have a very surface level understanding of uh i think it's sws so slow wave sleep REM sleep the the time that you spend awake so could you go into each stage and what each stage actually does for the recovery and also um i believe learning as well. Is that that correct? Like retention of information?
0: Actually, Nick, I don't think we need to go into the science of that. The main thing is REM sleep is the light sleep where you resolve emotional um, issues of the day. And deep, the other three, there's four stages. There's the three stages, the early sleep, two stages of deep sleep and then REM sleep. And you need the deep sleep to be able to for cell regeneration. Yeah. And then the REM sleep is for emotional stability and memory.
1: A lot of people are aware of the stages of sleep, but I don't think many people are aware of how we can actually influence these stages of sleep. And there isn't, from what I understand, a direct way to say, oh, I want more REM sleep, I'm going to eat pineapples, and that gets me more REM sleep. I don't think that there's something like that. But how do we actually influence the overall quality and effectiveness slash efficiency of our sleep in all realms?
0: Yes. The, the main thing is, and I keep repeating it, is to reduce your stress levels. If you've got the cortisol racing around in your body, there's no way you're going to have a, a deep, restful sleep. So that's important to get yourself. And you mentioned it before about sleep hygiene, getting ready for bed, getting your body and your brain ready. Um, so the sleep hygiene is is very important, and and that is like not using um, devices or getting your brain stimulated just before you're going to bed, because that's going to build up the cortisol, and you're not going to have a restful sleep. Um, there are things you can eat and drink um, to help induce a good quality sleep, like like dairy food is good, um, food with tryptophan, which is found in almonds, dairy and turkey meat. And some of the latest research is saying that tart cherries and kiwi fruit is going to help you get a better sleep, a better quality sleep. Um, the other thing is to not have alcohol or coffee one or two hours before bed. If you're going to drink it, drink those sorts of things or energy drinks, have them a few hours before you want to be able to go to sleep because you don't want that, that, that high activity racing around in your body.
1: So it makes me think about the last thing that we do before we go to bed. I see it in my own data that if I train before I go to bed, my heart rate—it takes a while for my heart rate actually to get to a rested state, to where it's a consistent flatline. How do we actually make it so that the last thing that we do before bed is actually helping us sleep rather than hinder us in our sleep?
0: And as you pointed out, exos- vigorous exercise prior to sleep is is not good. You're going to you in every your blood's still racing around, your your breathing still heavy you need to your heart rate's going you need to be able to rest bring that down before getting ready for bed Um, but I know some people say that's the only time they've got to exercise is just before bed so they're going to have to work out what do they want more of exercise or, or better quality sleep and they're going to have to work work their day around exercising earlier or going to sleep later and getting up later So, everyone's different, and their everyone's life situation is different.
1: Yeah, it's not an easy one to work out. Mm
0: -hmm. But the more aware you are, the more you'll be able to work out what is best for you and your situation.
1: Yes, guys. So we have some exciting news to share. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Sleep Smart your go-to destination for all things sleep-related. Now, let me tell you why SleepSmart is the ultimate sleep companion. With a wide range of products designed to enhance your sleep quality, SleepSmart is dedicated to helping you achieve a restful night's sleep that you deserve. From luxurious silk sleepwear to innovative blue light therapy glasses, SleepSmart has everything you need to transform your sleep routine. And let's not forget about their other top-rated products, including nasal strips, mouth tape, and blue light blocking glasses. So if you're ready to take your sleep gains to the next level, look no further than SleepSmart. And here's the best part. As a listener of our podcast, you're eligible for an exclusive offer. Simply use the discount code SCULPTED at checkout to enjoy a generous 50% off any SleepSmart product. That's right, 50% off. So don't miss out on this fantastic opportunity to upgrade your sleep experience. So visit SleepSmart.com today. And start sleeping smarter tonight. Remember, a good night's sleep started this morning. Now let's get back to the episode and cover the secrets to a better night's sleep. You mentioned how the the exercise is a big thing, but what about eating and also caffeine? How does that actually negatively affect us before we go to bed?
0: Yes. Um, Well, some of the scientists, researchers are saying you shouldn't really have caffeine after midday because it stays in your body for 10 hours. But some people can handle caffeine before going to bed. But if you're having sleep problems, I would suggest only having caffeine in the mornings and just see how you go.
1: Yeah. And with alcohol, I've heard, and I've never drunk alcohol, but I have heard that in the data, you do see a very, very big correlation between the more alcohol you consume and the poor quality of sleep. So what's that looking like? Yes.
0: Well, some people say, oh, I need to drink before going to bed because it helps me sleep. But it it might help them get to sleep. A few drinks might help them get to sleep. But they'll wake up in the middle of the night for a couple of reasons. One, alcohol dehydrates you, so you'll wake up with a headache. Or you'll wake up because you need to go to the toilet because you've been drinking just before bed. And then once you go to the toilet and you're awake... It's hard to get back to sleep. So if you're going to have alcohol, have it earlier in the evening so that your body's got time to um, metabolize it before bedtime.
1: And the reason why it's affecting our body, is that because it's a harder thing for our body to consume? Is it because uh, it's a depressive thing? What, what is the reason behind alcohol being so hard for our body to actually um, Recover whilst consuming it.
0: Well, it's it's like a drug, isn't it? Alcohol. So it's hard to the body to process it. And okay. and again, it's going to cause the headaches and. Uh, well, I think alcohol will affect our health in more ways than just sleep problems, too.
1: Yeah. So people yeah, need okay.
0: to address them, their own situation.
1: Yeah. And would you say that the, a good way to get better sleep for anyone who drinks alcohol would be to actually either minimize it or get rid of it completely? Yes.
0: Yeah. And, and they would need to uh, work it out for themselves. What, what is likely to be a success for them? Is it cutting it out completely? Will that suit suit them and their lifestyle? Or just having it a, a, a one or two drinks earlier in the evening?
1: Yeah, and that's a little bit similar to the exercise thing as well because it's always going to be individual.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: Yeah, so that, that's that's the complicated thing with sleep is that it's going to be so tough to actually understand what works for someone and what doesn't. Yes. Uh, and as you mentioned, the awareness thing is is, it, is probably the most important thing. Um, going into the period before we go to bed, what does... A wind down period mean to you because it means something different to everyone. And, and for me, for example, before I go to sleep, the hour before I go to sleep, this is my wind down period. I've got my blue light blocking glasses on, um, getting nasal strips ready, mouth tape if I need. Uh, I've got my eye mask and sleep mask ready to go. I'm, I'm completely winding down for the next hour. I'm reading. I'm journaling. Nothing stimulating me. It's very boring and mundane tasks so I get good sleep. What, what does a wind-down period mean to you?
0: Um, you're doing all the right things, Nick. Good on you for doing that. That's uh, um, So to some people, it's having um, a bath or a shower with soothing gels, um, the dim lights in the lounge room, um, not working. You know, some people feel the need to email and make work phone calls or whatever. Um, just wind-down all that back but for me it's um the dim lights it's um and and reading for about half an hour or an hour and uh making sure the rooms are a comfortable temperature and uh there's no bright lights
1: yeah and the blue light is a very interesting one that more and more people are talking about with the circadian rhythm uh, for example, waking up, getting morning sunlight, it's a big trend at the moment. Uh, blue light blocking glasses, the evidence, I think, is there is more evidence than to, to say that it's helping than not helping. But also, I, I do believe that there is a bit of negligible evidence where it's like, well, there's not sometimes direct correlation because some of the blue light blocking glasses may not work properly. Uh, also, sometimes, depending on when people use them, it may not be doing too much. Uh, what what do you think of blue light blocking glasses? Do you personally wear them? Do you say people should wear them? What what are your thoughts?
0: Um, again, it's an it's an individual choice. I don't wear them because what are you reading or doing when you've got the blue light glasses on? Are you reading or doing or watching something that's going to stimulate your brain? Okay. So it's not necessarily the blue light; it's what you're doing while you're wearing those, if you're doing something that's going to stimulate your brain, that's going to make it harder to get to sleep.
1: Yeah. I find, uh, I'm very sensitive to light. If anyone turns on a light whilst I'm sleeping, I'll wake up. Yes. I think maybe I'm a bit of an exception here. I think most people are okay. I think people even sleep with lights on, but I do think that there is evidence that's not good. Um, but waking up with the sun is also something that I do just naturally. So when it comes to the sensitivity of lights in general, you said that you, you would recommend reading 30 minutes before bed, but you have to also have a light on. Yes. Yeah. I wear my blue light blocking glasses whilst I read.
0: Oh, good. Good. As yeah. long as you're not reading something stimulating that you think, uh, like especially work emails, then then you're thinking, then you're going to bed thinking, oh, I've got to send that email and I've got to ring that person and I've got to do this. so. Or you're thinking about is all the things you have to do the next day. Mm-hmm. So that's going to stimulate your brain. If you're reading something that's for enjoyment, well, that's different.
1: Yeah, so that's going you, to, to be more calming. Yeah. Okay. And so, so What what type of books are you talking about specifically? There is it uh, nonfiction books. You would say you know when you've got your brain stimulating about these certain things, you should maybe you know maybe read a very boring book. You know, I, I read the Bible before I go to bed. I'll read uh, an educational book. I, I try and stay away. I've never even read very stimulating books in general. But the people who would read, you know, maybe something that's very engaging, what what, what would you say the type of book that you want to read is?
0: Um, well, s- well, something enjoyable. If you're reading a, a crime thriller where you, it's getting your heart rate up, well, that's not relaxing <laughs> But um I know some psychologists and psychiatrists, they read nonfiction to totally get themselves out of, you know, purely for entertainment. They want to get out of the real world before they go to sleep. And that helps them switch off. Interesting. Um, but but reading educational things um or or nonfiction, that's good as long as you're not going to be um, stewing about it or thinking about it at three o'clock in the morning.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you also mentioned thinking about the things that you're going to do tomorrow. What I do in my journal, my journal is very complicated. It takes me 30 minutes to actually write out my journal. What is the importance in in, in your thought pattern here for having a to-do list, writing it down before you go to sleep so that you focus on that tomorrow, not now?
0: Very good point, Nick. That everyone should do this. Um, get it down on paper or on your note in your notebook or whatever you use, and it's out of here. Because if and then you know, if you do wake up at two o'clock in the morning or have trouble going to sleep, you know you've got your to-do list sorted. It will still be there in the morning. There's not much you can do about it in the middle of the night. So you know you've got it all written down, it's out of here, onto your wherever you've written it, and you can deal with it in the morning. So you should be able to relax and get a good sleep, knowing that your to-do list is waiting for you. Yeah. You won't have to stew about it going over and over and over it in the middle of the night.
1: I do really think that that's an important one because my, my best thoughts come just before I'm going to sleep and as much as I love those thoughts and appreciate them because trust me my thoughts that I get when I go before I go to sleep I'm thinking oh that's the best thought I've ever had (laughs) but I also purposely make sure that I write those thoughts down and don't think about them because I've been there when I've thought about them and I've also woken up the next morning thinking oh I'm really tired I wonder why oh it's because I was thinking about this the whole night Do you recommend having a notepad or, uh, for example, I have an iPad. That's where I do my journaling, things like that. Is that a very good practice to have yes. for people? Yeah.
0: yeah. And when you do get a good idea or a thought that you must, you know you mustn't forget, write it down, then you know you've dealt with it or it will be waiting there for you to yeah. deal with the next day. Very good point. And that's in the book as well.
1: right? Okay. List. Brilliant. Brilliant. The next thing that I want to talk about in terms of the sleep hygiene is mouth breathing. Now, this is a big trend at the moment where people are talking more and more about the things such as the mouth tape. For example, the when you're going to sleep and you tape your mouth, I see more and more people doing it and not even just in sleep, you see people running with it. Uh, what do you think about taping your mouth when you go to sleep?
0: Well. I would say to that person needs to research exactly why why they're doing it and what is it's doing to their body. Because I would say breathing through the nose and out the mouth would be better.
1: Okay, interesting. But, you
0: know, you everyone needs to do their own research and not just take one person's point of view. If it's not working for you um, after giving it a, a, a good go. Then change to something else.
1: Yeah. Okay. And
0: whatever you do, deep breathing helps. Any sort of deep breathing. Because a lot of people tend to do the shallow breathing. You know, yeah. they and it's like it's thoughtless breathing. If you if you do the deep breathing, you're putting more oxygen into your bloodstream, and that's a healthy thing to do. It also helps calm you down the more we do deep breathing builds up our lung capacity it it's um it's so good for all parts of your body the deep breathing
1: but when we talk about deep breathing and then sleeping breathing there's a bit of a difference right so if i was to do my deep breathing before i go to bed and i'm you know getting that relaxation okay is it all just let me know all good now
0: Coming back, yeah, it's back now.
1: Okay, all right. So when it comes to breathing before sleep and doing that deep breathing and then the difference between that and then whilst you're sleeping, from my understanding, it's an important thing to factor that during sleep, you should be breathing primarily through your nose rather than your mouth because you can get, um, I think, sleep apnea. Is that correct? When you start to breathe through your mouth more and also then you start to snore more. If you're breathing through your mouth, is that right?
0: Um, I'll talk about the sleep apnea. That's, um, that involves snoring, but it's also where you stop breathing. That's Mm -hmm. what sleep apnea is. And then you shudder awake again when your body needs more oxygen. And that's very, very unhealthy. So uh, some people, they say overweight people have sleep apnea because of the fat that builds up around their throat and when they're lying down it affects their breathing um but even people who aren't overweight can have sleep apnea and it's so unhealthy you really need to get onto it sooner rather than later
1: yeah it's an interesting one and is sleep apnea something that is uh genetic is it something that's random is it something that's almost trained is it habitual like how does that work
0: no it's a health issue i I wouldn't say it's habitual, it's a health issue. You really need to see a doctor and um, there are devices that uh, you can be fitted with to help you with your breathing. Like I know of a young fit man in his 30s who was snoring and it was making him need an afternoon sleep. Now, a person in their 30s shouldn't need an afternoon sleep and he noticed his productivity was was decreasing and all he he went to a a snoring specialist and they just fitted him like with mouth guards they're called mandibular splints like a jaw splint which kept his jaw open during the night and um but just think of like a mouth guard but that that's what it was and um he sleeps through the night he doesn't snore his wife appreciates him not snoring and he wakes up refreshed and he's more productive the next day so that was a fairly um, easy solution some people just losing weight will help them with their snoring and their sleep apnea um, other people where it's more chronic they will need to wear a machine a breathing machine and that keeps their airways open so what if you've got sleep apnea or snoring problems i would um emphasize getting it seen to sooner rather than later and you will be so um grateful to have that uh that that sort of medication or um that application to help you breathe better and people say oh I should have done it years ago but they keep putting it off for some reason
1: mm. yeah it's a very interesting one and I see a, l- a lot of advertisements for it because I-, I think, as you said, the difference before and after is massive. But some people don't actually have that that awareness on how important it is. They just get they get acclimatized to it almost, yes. uh, which, which doesn't force as much action. Now, going into the the snoring part, we talked about mouth tape. Now maybe you're familiar with the nasal strips with opening up the the nasal passage what what do you think of nasal strips
0: yeah if it works for you do it and i presume you're getting advice before you use the nasal strips so um, yeah i would recommend anything that's going to get you give you a better sleep give it a go yeah but whatever you choose don't just expect overnight success you have to give it a, a go for a, a week or so to see w- what it will do, or how it will work for you.
1: Right. Okay. And the the whole part of nasal strips. So for for the listeners who are maybe unfamiliar, what nasal strips are and what they do. Could you give a quick uh you know overview on how the the science of them work? Because it is quite a basic thing, but yeah, I do believe that, that it can make like quite a, a profound physical... difference in people.
0: Contraption that keeps your airways open. That's the main thing. Nasal strips are just like a physical contraption that keeps the airways open. That's the main thing about the nasal strips.
1: In, is it just encouraging uh, airflow through the nose rather yes. than the mouth? Yes. Okay. All right. So going into... Talk about the mouth tape, the nasal strips. Now, sleep masks, that's something that I use, and I also have uh Noise. Yes, correct. So I have my own and then I also have, they have a little like speaker in them because I like to listen to stuff when I'm going to sleep, but I turn it off um, and it it turns off as well. So what do you think of sleep masks? I I think that it's good for me. Um, And what do you think of the noise as well?
0: Great, great question. There's two things there. Um, In the book, I recommend uh, people using uh, meditation music or white noise to help them get to sleep because that will block out external noise that maybe you haven't got any control over like traffic or, or noisy neighbours. You haven't got control over that. But what you have got control over is your own sleep environment. And that's where um, music or a boring late night radio show has worked for some people. Um, or white noise where it's constant. It's not coming in and out because that will keep you awake. The sleep masks, the eye masks are great, especially when you're traveling, uh, when you're staying in hotels and you can't, you haven't got control over external light or light from the hallway. Um, because when you're in your sleep cycles, when you're coming into that semi-wake cycle, any light, you think, oh, it must be morning, oh, it's time to wake up. That's where the, the eye mask comes into effect. That's very good.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I found that the eye masks really helped me Yeah, because I was so sensitive to that light. Ooh. And talking about light, there's a new kind of product that I've seen uh, becoming more popular. And maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you aren't, but you'll understand the essence of it. It's essentially you wear, like it looks very futuristic. They're, they're these glasses that you wear and it projects light onto your eyes to help your circadian rhythm. Are you familiar with these? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh,
0: not the gadget. I'm conf- I'm fi- familiar with circadian rhythm.
1: Yeah, okay. So essentially it it's it's literally like it, it looks so futuristic. You could probably imagine how weird it would look people yes. just wearing a big block and the light is projecting on their eyes. How would this scientifically help someone with their, with their circadian rhythm?
0: Well, I I would say If the scientists say it helps give it a go, I'm a bit, um, I'm thinking, how can you get a restful sleep if you're wearing this contraption?
1: This is, this is, um, hours before they're going to sleep. So for example, the footballers, they're using them before a game because they play at, you know, 8 PM Yes, and that's maybe their bedtime normally. So they're using them to actually train their bodies that they're awake. Rather than bedtime, if that makes sense,
0: right? So they're they're adjusting their circadian rhythm.
1: Yeah, correct.
0: So they're not going to bed when it's dark and waking up when it's daylight. Yeah, they're adjusting it.
1: Yeah. So the the science the science behind that would that be something that's very useful for people to do when like even night shift people, for example. I was just
0: going to say shift workers. That would be handy for them because they they're working and sleeping against the normal circadian rhythm. So they get their body will have to get used to that. And that's when they get into trouble if they're not getting enough sleep. So that would be very useful. I think the, the, the re there should be more research on that. Yes. To see how useful it is for, as you said, sports people who are playing sport at odd hours and then shift workers. you you know, having to be alert at midnight and two o'clock in the morning. And then how do they get to sleep during the day?
1: Yeah, it's a very tricky one. Yes,
0: that would be useful for for those sorts
1: of people. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Now, the next thing that I want to talk about is the use of silk. Now, I think that the biggest reason why people use silk for sleep is temperature regulation because it's a bit of a cooler product. Uh, Also, in terms of, Hygiene as well, because acne and uh, people sweat a lot during sleep. What are your thoughts on people using silk products?
0: Yeah, I would say any natural products like silk, cotton, linen um, are good for you. Because the polyester type, nylon types, they will just make you sweat more and and build up all those... Um, collect the dust and the dust mites and things but but any any natural fiber is going to be good for you and it is cooler
1: is silk in your eyes from from my understanding i've seen that silk is the if we've got a, a tier listing from my understanding silk is at the top would you say that silk is at the top as well
0: yes and it well it's very expensive because you can imagine there needs to be a lot of silkworms working mm-hmm. to produce that sheet of silk. So it is very expensive, and I'd be carefully looking at the the label, how yeah. much silk is actually in there. And I think it would be very expensive to have pure silk sheets.
1: Yeah, I don't think people actually realize that silk is made from silkworms. I, I, I like it's the
0: I thread. Think- you think of a spider web. That's what silkworms are making. Mm.
1: It, it doesn't feel real as well because it's like you've got a whole sheet of silk. How does a worm create that? It, it, it's a little bit hard to conceptualize.
0: So so cotton or linen is going to be the next bit.
1: Yeah. Okay. And how do they go with temperature regulation as well? Because uh, silk, I think, is the, the, the coolest natural mm-hmm. product. What is it like with cotton and, and nylon did you say Sorry,
0: no linen linen sorry L- linen is a natural fiber
1: okay uh, how 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 does that compare in terms of temperature
0: Well probably silk is better but again it's more expensive so and it could be too far out of most people's budgets so cotton and linen are a good uh, a good bet.
1: <laughs> and more okay. affordable
0: and again yeah. linen is more expensive than cotton.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's really dependent and and individual similar to the alcohol and to, you know, the exercise argument, uh,
0: but polyester sheets are going to make you sweat and it's going to be uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, Helen, this has been a very, very informative discussion about, I mean, the sleep hygiene, I think is a very, very good thing because this is where you can get the most actionable results. And also, I think most people don't do it, which means that we're going to see the most progress here. Mm-hmm. Um, as we always do, we finish off the episode with a question for the guest, which is what are three ways that you sculpt yourself every day? Which, you know, it could be from, it could be your your journaling. If you do that, it could be your reading because you know that that's helping you sleep better. Uh, whatever these three things are for you, would you like to share with our guests?
0: Sculpting. Ah exercise so important at, at any age um, getting the sunshine um, especially in the mornings and um, socializing being with people talking to people that's going to keep you um, more active keep your brain more active and and it, there's been heaps of research that um, the people lonely people tend to be uh, have of lower morale so socializing is so important
1: yeah awesome and i think that this kind of summarizes the whole um perspective on sleep because it's not a one size fits all uh it's always going to be very individual and also the three ways that you sculpt yourself on a daily basis are going to be the you know very different to the next person um so it really is individual and i think that everyone has to take into realisation throughout this episode that, you know, we can say all of these different things, but what works for me may not work for someone else. What works for you may not work for me. Uh, It's testing a lot of these things. And I think, as we've said, the awareness is so important. And I hope that this episode has helped our listeners uh, just get that awareness today. It's very important.
0: And I call them body hacks. You can hack different parts of your body, um, introduce some easy... Uh, habits to uh, into your life that's going to suit you. As you said, what will work for one person won't work for another. So if you can think of them as body hacks, like reducing alcohol or the ca- the caffeine, um, having daylight, more daylight into your day, uh, having food that's going to help you with your sleep, um, and less stress. Whatever you can do to reduce stress is going to help with your sleep.
1: Yeah. Awesome. And, yeah, that's that's whole, the whole message for today, you know. And we'll leave uh, a link in the description as well for, for people to purchase your book as well, if that's okay. Um, I think that that's going to be a, a great resource for people who want to level up in all areas of life. So, Helen, thank you so much for coming on The Sculptor Podcast today. We really appreciate your time. And yeah, we, we hope that everyone could get some information there because I think there's a lot of things to digest. But the main thing is it's individual uh, and the awareness is very important. So, yeah, thank you so much again, Helen. It was a pleasure.
0: Okay. Thank you very much for having me. And I hope um, your listeners get some good tips out of this. And um, the more sleep you get, the more healthy you will be.